Okay, sorry, I was getting some cues. Sorry, I guess that's where is it working now? Yeah, <laughs> everyone can hear in person and online. Um, so welcome, glad that we can gather here, and welcome to those who are joining online. And uh, it's good to be here and uh, to be together responding to who God is. And so um, I'm going to take a moment at the beginning of service just to, to highlight a few things and share some announcements. Um, inside the front cover of your order of worship, you'll see information about the service and about what's happening with children and youth classes. Uh, you'll see the note that um, we're asking everyone to wear a mask while you're in the building, and uh, there's um, also, uh, there is a third through fifth grade class today that's going to uh, meet with Pastor Eric. They can go to this door in just a moment, and also the junior high class is meeting as well. And so um, those classes are happening. If you're visiting today, we're really glad you're here, and there is um, a Connect card that you can fill out by the welcome table, or you can follow the QR code in the back of the order to share your information uh, and sign up for the weekly email and things like that. Um, also, um, Monica is going to make an announcement on behalf of the deacons. still waking up. Um, but thank you for participating in the welcome kits for World Relief. We're still working on the second kit, so we're going to extend it two weeks till October 10th um, to bring items either here on Sunday morning or to the church office during the week. If you have items today, you can give those to me, and I'll get them over to the office for you. Um, we know not everybody may be able to contribute or bring a vacuum to church, but there's a couple smaller items still available too, like can openers or cutting boards. Anything that you can give is really significant and helpful. Um, so go ahead and check out the list if you haven't already. It's included in the weekly email as well. World Relief also has a couple other volunteer opportunities we want to remind you of. If you were here when Sarah visited, she mentioned them about picking people up from the airport and getting them to their new home and also setting up those new homes by cleaning and preparing, getting the welcome kits in the home. Um, so if you're interested in some of those, Keep an eye out on the weekly email for some more information, or you can go to World Relief's website, and they're one-time um, opportunities where you can just kind of get on the list, and then if you're free and available when they have need, you can participate, and if you aren't able, then you can wait for the next time. But if you have any questions, feel free to see me after the service. Thanks. Uh, a couple of other things real fast to mention is that um, we have a meals ministry in the church as a way to provide meals when people are going through different transitions, whether they're having a new baby or different illnesses or moving. And so uh, if you are interested in me signing up for that, it'd be great to have some additional meal makers. You can bring a homemade meal or you can set up just a delivery from a restaurant and there. You can let me know if you're interested or there's a way to sign up in the weekly email. And the last thing to mention is that we have a, a fellowship time after church day. We'll have coffee and some, uh, some snacks and and we're going to move it a little bit closer to the parking lot, to the corner of Walcott and Leland, so that we are kind of out of the way of the Nazarene Church when they begin their service. So just hopefully you can stay after and make your way there uh, following the service. The children are just, can be dismissed now for the preschool and children's worship, for the third through fifth grade class, and the junior high class. Um, moment of quiet to prepare ourselves to come before God.
Good morning. Our call to worship today is from Psalm 124. Will you stand with us and we'll sing it together. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Our help is in the not been for the Lord, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away, the torrent would have gone over us, then over us would have gone the raging waters.
Peace, peace. Let us come before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, thankful that you have called us here by your grace, thankful that you have gathered us together to worship you, the true and living God, creator of all that is seen and unseen, giver and sustainer of life. We come here this morning, desperate for the light of your presence, out of a city that is still afflicted by violence and death, death so constant and persistent that we grow numb to it a city where many seek their own gods through fortune and power, endless youth, idolatry of the body, pursuing pleasure and endless diversion. We come to you from a country marked by fracture and anger, our words filled with invective and defamation. We lament that this has infected our own hearts, divided our families, and seeped into your church. As we look around the world, we mourn for the many people who have lost their homes, who are marked by hunger and thirst and wish to see the beauty and dignity of ordinary life once again. In the midst of all this suffering and confusion, we pray that you in inhabit us by your spirit, remove the calluses from our hearts, restore hearing to our ears and open our eyes. Fill us with true understanding, Lord, heal us. O oh Lord, you have taught us that without love, all your deeds are worth nothing. Send your Holy Spirit and pour into our hearts that most excellent gift of charity, the true bond of peace and of all virtues. Grant this for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever, amen. We will now continue um, with a time of collective and then um, personal confession. Savior, Help us to repent of our poverty of love, our chasing after what will not satisfy, and our weariness in doing what is right. Heavenly Father, be merciful to us when we lose our way. Help us remember your love when we forget, and give us rest from our sorrow and anxiety. Amen.
Let's take a moment and confess our sins to the Lord. Father, forgive us our daily rebellions against you and the pain that we have caused those we love, our neighbors, ourselves. We thank you that we are not what we have done, said, or even thought, but that we are your children, our true identity revealed by the blood of your son. Help us to live in that freedom and that truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, please stand and join me in reading the words of assurance from Isaiah 40, one and two. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. This old morning's Old Testament lesson is from Isaiah 11, 1 through 5. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his root shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eye sees or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with, his rod, with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. And the New Testament reading is Colossians 3. 12 through 17. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. In whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
looking at God's Word together. Um, we're going to continue our sermon series looking at chapters 13 through 17 of the Gospel of John. And as I mentioned, uh, but just as a reminder, this is Jesus stepping out of the public to gather his disciples, his friends, for some final instructions, final prayer, uh, before he is betrayed and arrested and put to death. And it's an opportunity for us to hear Jesus and his words to reflect on the nature and mission of the church. Text, some context for our passage. Uh, I mentioned that maybe you saw the Chicago weather was in the national news this week. On Wednesday, there were high enough winds that there were reports of waves as high as 16 feet coming off of Lake Michigan. Maybe you saw them yourself or saw images. I saw on CNN there was even pictures of Chicago uh, joggers trying to run along the lakeshore path even as large waves were crashing down around them. So maybe you saw that or maybe you're out there running. Who knows? But <laughs> um, I mentioned that if you can picture these large and choppy waters, these waves, because that was the image that Jesus shared in the beginning of chapter 14. And he wasn't describing a lake, wasn't describing the Sea of Galilee, but he was describing the hearts of his disciples, troubled hearts. Troubled hearts, meaning hearts in which the waters are unsettled, choppy, swirling. And into these troubled hearts, into the hearts that I imagine that we can relate to, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Carrying this idea, do not go on being troubled, but set your hearts at rest in me. And I remind us of those words because in the second half of chapter 14, which we'll look at today, Jesus continues this message of comfort. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Let them neither be afraid. So let's hear these words that Jesus speaks to his disciples. This is chapter 14, verse 15 through 19, and then 25 through 31. You can follow in your order or in your Bible, or just listen as I read. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give to you. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. 
He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. This is God's word, given for our good. I think I should switch to this microphone over here. What's that? Okay, we can try. Testing. Sorry. <laughs> Hello, testing, testing. Can, all right, let's try this. So, all right, so we heard Jesus speaking these words to his disciples. And uh, as I've mentioned before, this section of John, there is, it's mysterious, uh, but it's also welcoming to us to bring our condition. And what I want us to see in our passage as we move through it is, is, is two things. One, we're going to look at that Jesus cares for his church by making three promises in this passage. He cares for his church by making promises. And then briefly at the end, we'll just reflect on a response that we can have to that. So let's start with these promises that Jesus makes. And it's, it's helpful for us to think about promises in life. And I know that everyone in this room, we know the significance of promises, both the significance of when they are broken and the significance of when they are kept. And Jesus is inviting us to think about promises as something that creates shelter I want to suggest. In the midst of trouble, in the midst of choppy and, and swirling waters, that there could be a space that is created by promises that gives us a place to inhabit. One way maybe to think about this, if you can picture a tent laying flat on the ground, that when you put a stake in the ground to lift that tent, it creates space. That much Jesus is doing much the same thing by these promises that our life is often reduced and we feel like we're exposed, but he lifts up and creates a space, a shelter for us. Not taking away the trouble or the circumstances, but giving us a place in the midst of them. You see, Jesus makes several remarkable promises. And the first one we can hear is that I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, he, the spirit, will dwell in you. Helper, literally the meaning is one who comes alongside of, to support, to guide, to strengthen. Along with helper, this word is one that's translated in all sorts of ways because of its richness. It's hard to find an English word that captures it. So you might see in different translations it being translated as counselor or comforter, advocate, or even true friend. 
And this support and connection is not something completely new, but Jesus describes the Spirit as another, another helper. And that's helpful for us to understand because the first helper, the primary helper, is Jesus himself. He came to serve, not be served. He came not for the strong, but for the weak. He came not for the, the healthy, but the sick. And he has been walking along his disciples, caring for them. But he's telling them that his time has come to leave. Yet he promises another helper who will be with them forever, who will continue his ministry. You see, what does this promised Holy Spirit do? At the heart, what the helper does is encourages you and me to trust. To entrust ourselves to the promises and the work and presence of Christ. That he is what he said, the way, the truth, and the life. This true friend that comes alongside, even in the midst of difficult and terrible trouble. That remind us that there is ways that are good in something other than the pain that's happening. So Jesus promises the Spirit to come as a helper. And the second thing Jesus promises, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. The world will not see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. I will not leave you as orphans. That word here carrying the idea, I will not leave you alone. I will not leave you without support or care. A while back, I heard an image of someone describing, you know, thinking about being in a family and as, as time passes. And the image this person shared was of a great tree with branches that stretched and provided shelter. And to think about those who went before you, maybe parents and grandparents, those who went ahead of you, that in the beauty of God, that they could function like a great branch filled with leaves above you providing shelter and protection. But one of the things that happens in life as time passes, those branches above us, um, people pass away. Or unfortunately, through other losses, they are not there to provide the shelter for you. And so suddenly in life, you can find yourself the one that is at the top of the tree or the branch that's exposed, maybe being asked now to provide shelter for the things below you. And Jesus is inviting us into that reality of the possibility of both being alone and also knowing shelter. And he's taking the promise, I will not leave you alone. I will not leave you without cover or protection. In his departure by his death, Jesus wants to be clear that when he's placed in the grave, I am representing you. I am not leaving you. I am taking your place as your good shepherd. I am not forgetting you. As we think about him building this shelter of propping up a space that we can inhabit even in the midst of trouble, the very foundation of that shelter is his resurrection. The reason it's worth us listening to these promises of help and of not being alone is because Jesus walked into betrayal, arrest, suffering, and death 
but rose in vindication. I will not leave you. I will come to see you and you will see me, the ruler of the world, the evil one who is all about his lying and breaking and hating. He's coming, but he has no claim on me. This is the foundation in which Jesus makes this promise. He will do his worst, yet the sun will rise. And this vindication of the resurrection is part of the Father's plan, Jesus says. He's doing what the Father asked so that it would be displayed through all of creation and established in our life and throughout the world that there is something greater than evil, something greater than our sin and greater than death, and that those, when we feel exposed, that we can be reminded that there is a protection above us that cannot be taken. Because I live, you also will live. Well, the third promise I want us to highlight that Jesus promises is peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Peace or shalom be with you is a traditional greeting, carrying the idea of well-being, of flourishing, of, of being able to rest, being free from fear and want, finding contentment, to, to, to express that to your neighbor or to your family or to your friend that you may know such flourishing. Peace is a rich and profoundly meaningful word in this way. And so Jesus takes this greeting and he personalizes it. He deepens it for his disciples and for, for you and me. My peace I give to you. My peace is given and it will endure in the face of hardship and trouble. We could talk for a long time about the peace that Jesus is saying here, but it's, it's worth just acknowledging that in the scriptures, in the New Testament in particular, there's peace is talked about as peace with God and the peace of God. That in Christ, by his reconciliation, we have peace with God. No longer are we estranged from God, but we are welcomed, received, forgiven, called children of God. As Adonijah prayed, we are not our worst words, or we are not simply our sin, or what we have done or failed to do, but we are in Christ, welcomed. But there's also the peace of God that is promised to you and to me. And one way to think about this is peace with God, it brings us into the, the shelter that Jesus is making. It brings us into that place that has been lifted up for us. That's peace with God. But once we're inside, how do we learn to, to live anew? How do we learn to have rest even in the midst of trouble? That speaks of the peace of God. And we hear examples of it when Jesus teaches. Do not worry about what you'll eat or what you'll wear. Don't you know how valuable and precious to God you are? Where we hear also the peace of God transcends understanding, meaning that it endures even in the face of hardship, in the face of hurt or trouble, inviting us to settle in a hope that's not based in what we accomplish or what we control. Maybe one thing is to think of the opposite, right? The peace of the world that Jesus references is shallow and fickle. You and I, we know this. 
any sense of peace that is offered to us, it's, it's almost always, whether it's said or not, it's rooted in your performance. It's rooted in giving the other person what they want or expect, not causing too much cost to them. It's rooted in your ability or your attempts to control your circumstances. And such peace might be for a moment, but it is shallow and fickle. And what Jesus is promising and offering to us is that there is a stronghold, there is a foundation, there is a place to inhabit built by his promises and work that has a different source, a peace rooted in the character and the power and the grace of God. And therefore, if this is true, it is a peace that endures because it cannot be changed. It cannot be changed by the words or actions of another or the evaluation or judgment of your performance. Because it's not rooted in such things. It's established by Christ. So Jesus invites us into these promises and I encourage you that for us to think when we feel the times of trouble or uncertainty or overwhelm, to take a moment to think about these solid foundations, this lifting up, this shelter that's established by the promises of Christ, a helper. You will not be left alone, and he grants you the peace of God. And how we might we respond, let's close just for a moment in thinking about our response as believers for one thing, our passage makes clear is there's a distinction between the world and the followers of Jesus. In Christian faith, it does, our faith doesn't, point us, doesn't paint us into a corner. It doesn't leave us just with some kind of small life. It gives us a shelter from which we can know courage and freedom to even live in a bold way. That's the power of the promise of Christ, to live in new and different ways, to be free, to be known. I want to highlight Jesus' words about love. He says, the one who loves me is the one who holds my commandments and keeps them. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Again, there's a distinction between the world around us and the followers of Christ. We, we who profess Christ, we who embrace his promises are called to keep his commandments, to love him. You see, during these final words, Jesus has spoken of his love for, for us, spoken of his love for his disciples and their calling to love one another. But now for the first time, Jesus speaks of their love for him. And there's a vital link between their love for him and their obedience to him to receive and listen to him as their guide, the one who will direct them in the ways of life. Chief among these commandments is that we should love one another as Jesus has loved us. He demonstrated by washing their feet, taking the role of a servant. We live in the spirit of God, the spirit's work. We know it's working in us when we see and learn to love one another. For this is the fruit of the promise, finding the freedom and rest in the promise of God to look and to find new ways to love one another as he has loved us. So I invite you to think about where it is that you're seeking shelter, in what way you're encountering Christ's word as a word of promise, and how it's working out in the work of your life and relationships here and in family and in the world.
Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that it would be an encouragement and a challenge to us this day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with us, please, and we'll sing together. I know that my Redeemer lives. Glory, hallelujah. What comfort this sweet sentence gives. Glory, hallelujah.
Behold, the dwelling place of God shall be with man. You shall dwell with us, and we will be your people. Therefore, with great joy, we join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. Having heard God's word, we're now invited to come to the table that God sets for his people. This table is a reminder of who God is and the nature of the gospel, this shelter that Jesus is creating. We live in a world, we know this, in which we're told, you know, we can return love for love or hate for hate or indifference for indifference. But I want us to think how this table of Christ is different. Jesus offers us a new vision in which we live in light of his love. By his spirit, learning to love and to give and serve, not only those who can do that and back to us, but even to those who are different or enemies or those who seem costly. And that's why at this table, by the blood of Christ, by the work of Christ, it's in light of his love that the church and the table of God becomes a place where natural divisions are overstepped and healed, where even natural enemies become brothers and sisters, where we learn to love and to serve and to see one another. This is the good news of the gospel, to welcome you and me as sinners to this table. It's also the call for us to, to learn by the helper to love one another as Christ has loved us. If you know of your sin, if you know that you need Christ's blood and forgiveness, and you've put your faith in him, then come and eat and drink at this table. For it belongs to God, and it's set for sinners who rest in him. I pray that the Spirit would be here to meet us and minister to us and strengthen us. Lord, thank you for who you are. And we pray that you set this table apart from a common use, that for a sacred and holy one, that your Spirit would minister to us and be present, meeting us wherever we are this day lifting our heads and strengthening us by your power. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. We're during, this, during this time, we're not coming forward. We're just participating in communion through these prepackaged elements. Um, so I invite you, if you are taking communion, you can pr- go ahead and prepare those. Does anyone uh, need, need one? We can bring one to you. Raise your hand if you didn't grab one on the way in. If you are not participating in communion today, we're, we're glad that you're here and invite you to see these, this bread and cup as signs of who God is, an invitation to reflect on who God is in your life. On the night that he was betrayed after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. 
Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. When Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins, let us drink in faith. In response to this table, I invite you to stand that we can pray and sing as God's people. <clears throat> Lord, you proclaim from the throne, behold, I am making all things new. These words are trustworthy and true. Let us rejoice in this hope as we proclaim the mystery of faith. and receiving the blessing. Just a couple things. One, you see a note about giving to the work of the church. We're not passing offering plates, but if you'd like to drop something off in the back, there's silver plates there, or you can give online. You'll see the information there. And also just a reminder that we have a fellowship time outside after the church service over by the parking lot. Hope you can stay and participate in that. Let's sing together the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. May go in peace. Amen.